thank you for joining today's episode of the Big Picture. I'm Leah Spector, Manager of Brand Marketing at Big Commerce. Thank you for your patience. I think it's a hard week for live streaming for everyone, so I guess we're in, in good company. But I am so excited to welcome our guest, Christy Garcia, Chief Marketing Officer at Impact.com. They are a big commerce partner and a partnership management platform, which we will talk all about. Today, we're going to dive into the world of influencer marketing, how it's evolved, and, and really where how it started and, and where we're going. Um, we have quite an expert with us today to, to talk about that. Um, as Chief Marketing Officer, Christy spearheads Impact.com's Impact global marketing efforts named by Business Insider as one of the most important marketing tech executives, top 30 change maker by Hello Partner, and SaaS Marketing Leader of the Year. Christy leads an award-winning team of marketers, and I'm excited to talk to her, not just about influencer marketing, but also a bit about her career path as a CMO. Um, and prior to her current role, Christy was Vice President of Global Marketing at Seltra, and before that, at Rakuten Advertising. She's part of the Forbes Communications Council, regularly contributing articles about the expanding power of partnerships to drive revenue and growth. She's also a member of Chief, a network designed to highlight and mentor women in executive leadership positions. Christy, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. All right, let's jump right in, Christy. To kick us off, let's let's set the scene a bit. Um, some history, right, on influencer marketing. Uh, back in like 2013, 2014, when I first started as a social media manager, Bloggers, you know, started to transition their work to Instagram, eventually turning into what we know as content creators working with brands on highly polished curated photo shoots, showing off favorite products, really that like early phase of influencer on Instagram, right? Can you yes. talk to us about this first you know, phase of influencer marketing on social media and how it impacted commerce back then? Sure. Um, and yeah, that was a long time ago. So back in 2013, 2014, there were a lot of shows. We talked about Blog World and Lucky Fab and Blog Her. And in the beginning, it really was about digital diaries and sort of like the early trailblazers. Um, mommy bloggers played actually like a huge role in the very beginning. They were the ones who were sort of posting about how they chose products and different organic products, tips on raising their kids. Um, and I remember the first time I saw a fashion blogger, I was like, why do they only have pictures of themselves on social media? Like what, like, why are they just like, are they like models? Like I, I like literally didn't get it. Of course that was back in 2011, 2012, but I had no idea. And to think, you know, a decade later, it's such an integral part of every single marketer's, you know, playbook, but things have changed a lot. Um, and it was definitely still a novelty back then to see someone sort of rise to stardom through it. Uh, it just, it was more of a dream. It wasn't like an actual thing for most people. Um, but even back then there was this I think general awareness around the psychology behind why people trust creators um, or why they might want to hear like real authentic reviews in their research process before purchasing. But the tech just didn't make it easy back then. Like there, there, we didn't have things like shoppable links. Uh, there was affiliate marketing and that's how people were sort of linking towards, you know, the, the products that they were promoting, but it wasn't really integrated into the technology in the same way that it is now, which has really led to a lot of innovation for creators. Uh, but yeah, those are, some early days back then, uh, and things have changed a lot in, in just 10 years. Yeah, I mean, I remember pretty manual tools like like to know it, which is still around, but there was no direct integration between, I mean, it was even early days for Instagram. So there, were, I, there wasn't even advertising yet, there weren't clickable links, right? Um, and so who, like people who used to be bloggers had to get really creative um, yeah. and kind of use their own 
tools. And then, you know, platforms did eventually kind of start to build commerce functionality into their experiences and, and make social channels more shoppable. Um, can you, and actually we already have a, qu a question from Tana, Thomas Connolly, which I think is relevant, you know, around the same time as social channels started to take notice and started to make some integrations is clearly when it started to make a big impact on retail, right? And so Thomas asks, how would you convince someone who is utterly unconvinced about the whole influencer phenomenon, you know, does it transfer well to other retail? And I think that's a good question because it took hold early on, even beyond apparel. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. I would say any product that is sold online has potential to be sold via the influencer channel, if you'll call it that, or via influencer marketing. Um, and it's really fun because we actually have a lot of fintech clients and, and travel clients and people who you might not necessarily think would be working with creators, but they are in really interesting ways. And the reason is because nowadays, consumers are doing research before they're buying. And so how are you getting your message across if you're not in those places where they're researching? And so where are they researching? They're looking at things like review sites. I mean, they're looking in the comments under, you know, the social ads that you may be designing and, and you know, sort of buying on these, these social sites. But really we wanna know like, is it real? Is it true? Is it authentic? Like the messaging that's coming from brands and the advertising just isn't convincing consumers anymore. And so they want that real authentic advice. The reason that influencer marketing and creators in general, I think have sort of taken off is because they've been able to relate to consumers in a way. Uh, they understand their audience and they they know at this point, because it, we've had some fails and some de-influencing, I know we'll probably talk about later, but they've learned that it's very important to be authentic. And so if they're giving a review about something, um, they know if it's not actually what they think, it's not going to come off well, and they're going to lose the trust of their audience. And those things are are huge to creators. I mean, that's what they're building. They're building up that trust in that audience. So they're not going to do something that's going to intentionally uh, push people away from believing them and wanting to come back for more. So I, I think that there's a lot of reasons why this this space has kind of taken off. And I, I, don't, I have a lot of data to share for anyone who thinks it's it's not necessarily like the best channel. Um, it is. It's just a matter of being able to track it uh, and understand the impact to the funnel because it may not be bottom funnel, but it may be top of funnel. They may be introducing new products for the first time to an audience that has never heard of your company or your brand before. Um, and so I th there's value there, too. Uh, it, it, so I think it's about what you want out of the relationship. But at this point and the partnership, they're there, the, the options are unlimited in ways to partner and things to track um, because the technology has finally ca caught up with the demand. Absolutely. And I think that's a good segue, right? Like as the influencer kind of industry has matured, so have social platforms and oh, yeah. you know, things like tracking and, and commerce activity. How much do you think, like how did influencers and really their audiences really drive that demand for an integration between commerce and social? I mean, I, I think back to 2013, I was at these conferences talking about monetizing and, and there was this big question mark, like, how are we monetizing our content? Like we're creating it, like we're driving traffic, like we think we're providing value um, and, and there just wasn't a way to do it. Um, so I think the social media networks, you know, they have their own sort of walled gardens where there's tracking and things, which makes it really difficult for, for people who are trying to understand impact beyond just a click or a like or a view. Um, but I think that that's that's part of the reason why 
you know, uh, creators have gotten a bad rap in, in some in some scenarios is because they're not, you know, fully intent and clear on what the brand wants versus what they want. Or maybe that that wasn't the right pairing. There wasn't a good authentic match there. Um, but when it you know, when the demand is there, when you find the right partner and it's the right audience, and the product fit, it's magic. And, and the technology is there and, and platforms have sort of adopted and understood um, the need, I think for the monetization, because the creators are, are working for free otherwise, right? Um, so it's important to reward them for the value that they play. Absolutely, and you know, data, when you mentioned that, I one stat from a recent blog post actually that's on the Big Commerce blog from impact.com, correct me if I'm wrong, Chrissy, but it's like 96% of consumers don't trust ads anymore and hundreds of millions of people around the world block ads, right? So when yeah. you're looking at things like ROI, all these metrics that makes sense that influencer marketing would work but when you when you go to the core of what works in marketing even before yeah. like social media it's it's word of mouth right and and trusted authentic recommendations are always going to work and be more honestly be more efficient and affordable than say large scale advertising plays or you know really expensive like super bowl commercials right like, so it makes sense that brands are are more and more leaning into that Really. And you mentioned, you know, platforms enable that. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what Impact.com does to enable creators sure. and brands? Sure. So uh, Impact.com, we were founded uh, back in 2010. Uh, we are a partnership management platform. Uh, we connect brands with partners and partners with brands. Uh, we work across different industries and verticals. Uh, and so influencer marketing professionals who want to work on a different type of basis than a traditional kind of partnership, which, which has more of a CPA model towards it, um, we can now pay and work with creators in the way that, that they want to work and, and the same on, on the brand side. So anyone who's looking for partnerships, if it's an affiliate partnership or a creator or you're a small marketing team and you just need an extension of your team, you can work with other businesses. Um, Impact.com provides a marketplace where you can go and you can discover like-minded partners who have similar audiences. So you're basically sorting and you're finding, and we have AI, of course, recommendations saying, okay, if this is your business model, here are some rec recommended partners for you, uh, which is really cool. But it, it's about being able to find the right partners for your business, communicate them with them directly. Um, you're contracting, you're negotiating with them. Uh, there's no one in the middle. Um, so you would be able to kind of recruit your own creators or your own affiliates or your own B2B partners. Um, and you essentially start working with them via the platform. So there's contracting there. Uh, you're sharing links, you're sharing assets. And so if you as a uh, consumer or micro uh, nano blogger, publisher, creator, however, um, you are promoting the things to your audience, there is an ability for you to find a partner and find a product and start pushing out campaigns. Um, so the whole thing is tracked uh, and the ability for us to be able to pay out at different parts of the funnel is what really differentiates us. So we talked about creators and why people maybe not want to work with them or you know, how do you convince someone to work with creators. But the point that I was trying to make and, and sort of the, the value of the platform is you don't know the impact unless you're tracking it. And you have to be able to track every single touch point, right? Not just, okay, the creator published a post or my partner put a, an ad on their page, right? That's great, you can see it, right? But you don't know the impact or the performance of it. Um, and so being able to look at, okay, they're driving traffic, 
uh, they're driving conversions. Uh, okay, they're not doing either one of those things, but they're introducing us to an audience where we can continue to market to them. But these are all reasons to work with partners. Um, and, and as long as you're able to track it, we have the ability, because the technology is flexible, to pay out on whatever that action is. So that could be between you and your partner to say, okay, I, I have a need to drive a lot of new customers. Uh, and we're, we're seeing that you're driving a lot of new customers. So, so I want to pay you um, per new customer that comes to our site. Or I just want to pay you to promote this. And then uh, if, if anyone does come to the website and buy something, you'll get a percent of that sale. So there's a number of different ways to partner and work with creators in a way that's that's well, you know, well established for the brand who needs the return on investment aspect because you have the tracking and then also um, for creators who want to have the flexibility to not be salespeople and to be able to promote products that they actually like and brands that they actually want to work with to their audiences. Um, and I think without that ability for people to find each other and come together in like a mutual way. Um, there's sort of a power struggle. Uh, and I think one of the good things about the platform is that everyone has the same visibility into the performance. Um, and so it really kind of helps to establish the right partners and, and lots of different groups of partners uh, for all the various activities and marketing objectives you might have. Honestly, it's just amazing to hear how a platform has streamlined so much of that workflow. Because again, when I was pitching bloggers and doing blogger relations. And, you know, sometimes they would post on their Instagram. It was extremely manual. It was manual research. It was manual outreach, very little tracking. Contracts were a huge hassle. Manual. Um, super yeah. manual. And it's amazing that platforms who can streamline that workflow so much, I mean, that just continues to up the ROI and, and efficiency of, of doing influencer marketing and partnerships. So, that's really interesting. I, I definitely want to take a closer look at impact.com, um, even just for my own personal use. But, you know, moving forward a little bit to, you know, a few couple of years ago, right? I think I would say during COVID, influencer marketing started to look a little bit different. I think obviously TikTok was around, but really took off, you know, as people were home in the pandemic. Video had already been taking off. Um, people were, again, at home on their phones. And really TikTok users and, and Gen Z took that like polished, curated style of, of Instagram influencers that like millennials like me kind of grew up with. Um, and really they took that and made it, to say it simply, made it more real. I think yeah. combining video with just kind of a different outlook on life, um, that like media channel and that kind of point of view really made influencer marketing evolve and I think in a positive yeah. way. What impact do you think this had on this like newer phase of influencer marketing? Yeah, it's a really good question because I, I actually think of COVID as sort of being like a really like kind of weird impetus to yeah. the growth too because they, they were so the creator economy and, and influencers have been around forever, but there was something about the COVID period of time. And so I've thought about it uh, a lot because it's come up a lot. And I kind of break it into two big reasons why uh, I, I think um, the first is people are home. Okay, so everyone's home. You're alone. You're missing social interaction. You're afraid, right? We didn't know a lot in COVID. Everyone's pulling up their phone. Who has the information about what's shut down? Is my city shut down? What's happening? Um, and you're craving that social connection. Uh, so there, there's that aspect. Or let's say you're home with your kids and you need a little escapism. So you're spending a little more time on social media than otherwise. Um, so, so they're already sort of there. You're on your phone. You're looking. You're looking at social media to try to get that engagement. Um, but you're also seeing this building of trust because you're seeing creators in their home. 
right? I remember um, SNL and some of the, the talk shows were doing talk shows from their living rooms. And that was like very novel at the time. Um, but it, it does sort of yield this trust that kind of comes from it because they're they're real, uh, they're home, they're, no one's putting on pretenses. It was a situation that we were all sort of in the in together, but separate at the same time and really isolated. So it was a really cool experience for creators uh, and, and for people who followed them to kind of look to them to, to kind of lead some of the, you know, the information sharing that was going on at the time. Um, but live streaming via TikTok definitely replaced the in-person shopping experience for consumers, right? So that's the second piece. There was the demand for e-commerce, period. Um, the things we'd never bought online before, groceries, meat, meal delivery, toilet paper. Um, where are you going to go? You know, you don't, you, you can't buy things anymore. You can't go outside. So you have to go online uh, and you don't have the information. So you're, you're asking other consumers, you're looking at creators, seeing where they're buying things, what they're buying. Um, you aren't safe outside. So you don't even want to go outside, right? So home delivery and the e-com sites, everything kind of took off at that time. Uh, there was no food inside the grocery stores anyway. So it was hard to, hard to even want to go out there. So, so it was sort of like the perfect storm. Uh, you have, you have this information and this is the information age, nine out of 10 consumers are checking review sites and looking and doing research before buying. So that's already happening. And then on top of it, they can't buy in store. So it, it really just made a lot of sense for that to happen. I, I don't know that anyone sort of predicted that happening, but you can definitely see like the rise in budget spend over COVID for sure. That makes so much sense. Again, I mean, you mentioned before, anything you can buy online, you can work with an influencer or a partner. And because so many more people were buying so many more things online, people can talk more about that um, as an influencer or a creator as well not only are they just in their homes but they kind of lose any like professional photographer or like any set exactly. design or anything like that that is really that like polished curated sense um and replacing that with okay if i don't have all these like really polished tools i have myself i have my authenticity and my honest opinion and i think that um honestly just made the influencer industry that much better Oh, it did. And consumers really responded to that. They were, you know, it, it was a different type of approach. And so that as soon as consumers started responding to it, that's when all the brands started getting involved. And, and here we are today. So um, big, big deal there. So speaking of today, there's something fairly new in the in the influencer industry. And it was a hot topic for a minute. There was some a lot of news coverage about this. The moment maybe has passed a little bit, but I, I still wanted to get your take on it. Um, and, and for the audience, there was this kind of buzzword that went viral all called de-influencing. The original, the origin of that was people saying, let's, let's talk about what products didn't work for us, but more from a standpoint of like buy less, consume less, think about how your purchases affect the planet, right? And then we started to see some influencers I don't want to say co-op that word, but kind of brand it and make it their own. It's like, oh, I'm going to de-influence by telling you what products didn't work. What's your what's your take on all of this? And and feel free to add anything on the the de-influencing kind of trend that I may have missed. Yeah, I mean, so the way I always describe it, and it's actually funny that you brought it up because there's there is a story in Ad Age today that I saw about de-influencing, and, and this particular one was people saying that they're at Coachella, um, yeah. and so they're borrowing the hype from the event, but they didn't actually go, or they're taking yeah. pictures in the desert, and they're inviting followers to watch them get ready, but it's all fake. And there's something about consumers nowadays that like nowadays that like when you find that you want to expose it, you just hate it, like you just 
hate it. And so I think that's the the, the whole de-influencing piece is that people are just really tired of the fakeness. Like it's time to get real. Uh, we're humans. We're imperfect. Uh, we don't need to pretend that we have these perfect images that are photoshopped and everything else. So I think that's that's more of like a societal sort of like let's get real around this. But it's true because quite honestly, it's a beneficial thing. Marketers should be authentic. Creators should be authentic. Everyone should be authentic. We just launched a campaign about unfluencing and, and sort of like the fails that come from working with the wrong creator partners. But it, it really is a lot of a lot of brands working with creators and saying, like, this is what I want you to say. Here's exactly how you should be talking about my product to your audience. And I sort of use the analogy of like, if you were asking your friend to introduce you to a group of their friends, would you write them a script? Because that's what you're doing. Like you're essentially telling them how to talk to their audience and it doesn't work. And I think a lot of the times when you see some of these fails, we blame the creators or the influencers, but a lot of time it's because the brands are paying them to do things that they shouldn't be doing. They shouldn't be talking about products that aren't relevant to their audience. They shouldn't be you know, recommending things that they're not actually using and, and pretending to be places that they're not. Um, and so I think that the more authenticity that is in the channel, the more trust that's going to be there to continue pushing, you know, the real authentic creators forward. So I, I view it as a positive thing. I, I certainly have seen, you know, there there's some downsides to the de-influencing phase, but um, as a marketer, you're writing and editing and you have your key points and your narrative and you don't want to give that up to a stranger, right? You don't want to tell somebody, okay, you're, you're in charge, say whatever you want about my product, but it, it is their audience. Um, and so I think that's something that really needs to be like a very clear message to marketers out there uh, that this is, you know, telling them to be inauthentic or when they come off as inauthentic, it does not just hurt them. It hurts your brand also. Absolutely. So and if, you know, if, of course, there's a, a time and a place for when you want to use your exact message and your exact, you know, brand. Sure. Yeah. Influencer maybe isn't the channel for that. That's, that's where so much of the magic and again, the whole purpose of influencer marketing is authenticity. And these like influencing fails you mentioned, one came to mind. Um, there's a woman named Michaela who does amazing makeup. She, I've seen her blown up uh, her following. Um, and she's known for being just super herself, very authentic and transparent. And she was called out really, really seriously for, I forget the name of the uh, mascara, but she mm -hmm. appeared to in the video, she was saying like how amazing this mascara worked a lot of people in the comments were saying you have false lashes on and people are so media savvy and so media literate now that like their barometer for what's real or not, like they can really pick oh out gosh. when something's not right. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of back and forth in the, in the, on the narrative on her of like, okay, did she make that choice or was it the mascara brand, her brand who asked her to do this? And you have to really think about honestly, like that, that power relationship between like a super large brand and a creator who that's their living and, and they want to make the brand happy and, and get that contract and continue to, to make a living. But um, are there any other kind of like influencer fails or uninfluencing uh, examples yeah. that come to mind? Yeah, I think, I think choosing the right partners is a big one. And, and um, it's not necessarily just, about uh what you're telling them is that like are you is there a athletic influencer that you're saying is taking a pill when really they're going to the gym like i mean is that is that what you want to represent um I, like i i think people like certain creators or they like certain celebrities um but 
they're not a match. And so it's about finding the, the, the values and the products and the audiences that align together in your partnerships. Um, because just because someone's a great creator or someone's a great brand doesn't mean they should be working together. Um, and so there's, there's things like they're, what they're used to seeing from that creator. Is that person regularly posting about this stuff or is it out of nowhere that they now have this really perfectly canned, you know, perfectly placed ad that, doesn't look like the rest of their feet. Um, that that would be one. The other I would say would be just trying to to match people and products that just don't work together. Um, that's kind of an obvious one. And then I would say the third is is sort of any type of demand that you're making on the creator regarding bottom of funnel. Like that's not necessarily what they do uh, or what they want to do. Uh, so you want sales, you might want visitors, you might want impressions, you might want awareness, but whatever it is that you want, it has to match with what they want. Um, otherwise it is off balance. So finding the mutual goals together is, is a really key part of it. That is a great segue into one of my next questions, which was some of the best ways to do influencer partnerships in 2023. We talked all about how Gen Z and, and really everyone are a lot more media savvy and literate and they, they see through marketing. My next question was around pairing sponsored content and working with creators. And then on the on the back end or like at the bottom of the funnel, also making them affiliates or you know partners in other ways. Can you talk a little bit about how that is really beneficial to both brands and creators? Sure. And just to clarify, you mean specifically around um, being able to work with them across and, and down funnel and all the different activities? Exactly. I'm, I'm seeing more about, you know, creators, not just agreeing to do one sponsored post, but also having their own affiliate program or some larger partnership with the brand. Yeah. So I think one of the, the things that we, we know to be true, and there's research backing this up that comes from other companies, too, uh, and research companies, is that long term partnerships are what's moving the needle in creators uh, and influencer marketing. So I think part of it is building the trust and repetitive messaging to the same audience. So uh, I think occasionally brands will look at, at creators as like a short-term campaign-based approach where they're they're doing one message. Uh, most marketers know you need a several repeats, uh, <laughs> repetition for people to remember the message, but also uh, that might not be the best way to work with them. They might have things coming up in the near future that you guys can be partnering together on. Or in a year from now, they may have a completely different approach to their audience. And so what might didn't what didn't work then may work now. And, and establishing a relationship like they are a partner and working with them in that capacity as an extension of your team is the way to be effective in, in, in influencer marketing. We know that. Um, and the short term campaigns, although they're super important and there's definitely a need for it uh, and it's a different type of, of approach, um, those are great for certain things, too. Uh, but when you are working with a platform like impact.com, you are able to, to work and, again, see the full funnel so that if it is, in, in fact, the bottom of the funnel that you are delivering, you're delivering them sales or you're delivering them new customers in some way, shape or form. Um, there's a way for to have a different payment model for that. Right. Um, and that's that's what the, the CPA cost per acquisition or cost per action model is based on. So affiliate marketing works uh, a little differently, where if you are, let's say, an affiliate or a creator who's working on an affiliate basis, you actually have a link that you're, you're sharing or a code um, or directing people to a particular place to buy something. And when they do, you are getting a cut of that sale. 
Um, that's the traditional affiliate marketing model. And so the reason why that works really well in affiliates is because that agreement is already kind of baked in. Most people in affiliate marketing understand that that is the relationship for the most part. There's B2B and, and sort of lead gen and, and other areas within affiliate marketing, but it's, it is about the conversion and it is about the, the cost per acquisition. Uh, creators are a little different. Uh, they, again, like they could be the, the first touch. They could be introducing the warm intro. They could be the reminder. They could be the review, right? Having two different products, talking about which one they like better. Um, and, and there's value there. So it's about understanding what role they play or what role they want to play, and then being able to compensate them accordingly for it uh, and, and sort of like drive more of that behavior that you want, right? And, and from the creator and the publisher point of view, it's about being able to say, look, like I'm driving sales. I want to get paid for the commission. Like, like anyone else who's driving a sale, or I don't drive sales. I do something better than that. I introduce them to your product and there's a value for that too. Um, and, and I think that's the beauty of the platform is that you can work across different, different types of payment models. You can work flexibly however you want. Um, and I think that is the new way of influencer marketing. That's really interesting. And you also mentioned B2B. Do yeah. you think there's a world where influencer marketing works with B2B? Oh, they definitely do. We have we have uh, several B two B influencers, and there's there's uh, entire you know uh, reports out there of like who are the top B two B influencers. A little different, right? Um, so that might be more of a LinkedIn type of approach or a video uh, explaining how to how to use a product um, or a review of different products. But it's it's similar in the way that they still have an audience, and they have this this connection to that audience uh, who trusts them and believes them. And so it, it's it is in in well. Social media, LinkedIn, social uh, B2B could, could be on Facebook and Instagram and other places also. Um, but yeah, there's there's an entire channel for, for B2B uh, influencers, definitely. I mean, yeah, definitely here at BigCommerce, so much of our, what we call thought leadership, right? Trying to help educate you know audiences and merchants on e-commerce and things like influencer marketing, um, bringing in an expert and an influencer, almost like yourself, Christy, uh, is a, is something that we've had some success with. And I think just as a consumer and a potential B2B buyer myself um, is the most engaging. Um, are there any great examples of brands, um, whether they're on big commerce or not, that you think are just doing an amazing job right now and, and you think people should check out their influencer work? Well, I can tell you a really cool story about a brand I love. Um, so there's a there's a company called Ivory Ella, uh, and so they care very deeply about the elephants. And so uh, you'll see sort of their logo always has like a picture of like an elephant. And it's always the same. But um, what they do is they take 10 percent of their proceeds and give it towards uh different organizations that are working to, to kind of save them and conservations and things like that. So um, what they wanted to do was to establish what were we, they called at the time an ambassador program, um, because they knew that this, this particular clothing and apparel and what they were selling is not necessarily going to be mainstream, but they had an audience, right? Because there were people who were like-minded who, who cared about that cause and cared about that mission, that shared goal. So what they did is they started working with universities. So they have a number of different ambassadors uh, at these universities who are sort of promoting and, and, you know, driving awareness around this product. And it was really cool because they they actually saw almost 100% year-over-year growth in their channel as a result of that. But what was really interesting is, like I mentioned, because the tracking was there, they were able to say that, like, this one ambassador from this one university, um, things that were coming from his area uh, were, were really 
driving a lot of awareness. Uh, and then there was someone else again at the, the sort of at the middle of the funnel who was providing information and education. And so that was playing a huge role in their consumer journeys. And then of course, you know, some were driving direct sales. Uh, so it, it's, it was, it was a cool story because this was a brand who didn't necessarily understand or, or want to be working with influencers across the board that were, you know, maybe not necessarily like meshing with their brand values, but they were able to find that through this ambassador program. And then they were able to sort of treat uh, the, you know, these, these groups of universities and people at these universities as their, their sort of their partnership ecosystem. So it was just an interesting way. I mean, we also have finance companies and fintech companies that are working with creators to drive awareness around budgeting and like credit cards and savings. And so there's all sorts of different types of creators and, and there's a lot of really great stories. Uh, we, we do track and, and keep a number of them on impact.com. Um, but happy to share uh, anything after the fact too. We have a lot of really interesting stories of companies who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be successful in that area who are. And then the ones who are, uh, we recently uh, were working with Walmart and, and we're powering their Walmart creator portal. Amazing. Um, so yeah, so essentially, like even some of the the, the big companies that, that want to have their own ecosystems, you know, there's a the technology play there too, of course, and, and so there's partnerships there with, with our clients, which is fun. Well, that's really exciting about uh, the Walmart creator marketplace. We'll definitely drop some, some links to some of these case studies and examples in the comments after the stream. Um, let's, we're getting close to the end, but I, I did want to touch on something you mentioned earlier, which was the use of AI in in the world of influencer in general, like what are kind of the main, like big tech updates in the world of influencer? How is, how does uh, impact.com, for example, use AI in the platform? Yeah, um, so we are leveraging artificial intelligence for things like recommendations. Uh, so it gets smarter, self-taught. You, you have an engine that's sort of recommending partners based on certain criteria. Um, in marketing, we're, we're leveraging AI. Uh, it's improving our writing. I think there's a lot of great things that could come out of it. As a marketer, I'm here for it in general. Um, I, I do think that there are some, some risks. Um, the great writers will become better. Analysts will become smarter. It'll definitely improve our lives for the better. I just want to be very clear about that. But there are some things that just can't be done without human intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like if your goal is to reach real people um, in the way that they want to be reached, there's an element of authenticity that has to be there that can't be there if there's AI. It's just going to be missing that human connection and empathy. So I know there's always a fear whenever there's a technology that can replace people. Um, but I would say, very clearly that uh, AI cannot replace people. Uh, there's that human connection, like I said, there's empathy, there's things that creativity um, that that only exists in, in sort of the human intelligence uh, range. So I think as long as you're able to leverage AI for the things that you may not want to spend a lot of time doing and focus more on the strategic things that you want to do and automate what you can, uh, that's the way that I would recommend everyone works with it, but uh, it's, it's part of our lives. And so I feel like people are going to have to start figuring out how how to make it work for them. Uh, that that's what I that's what I think. It's a very loaded conversation. <laughs> it is. I know we could do an entire podcast episode just on that, but I'm definitely in the same camp where you know AI can help you get. Say, if I wanted to write a blog post, it helps me get 60 to 70 percent of the way there. But that you know 30 40 percent of human touch and expertise. Um, and voice is what's really going to get to get you there. So that makes sense that there's these things that you can do faster kind of on the back end using AI, like matching and, and things like that. But I'm even seeing that some brands are using like AI generated talent 
yeah. um, as their influencer or as the you know star of their commercial. And I remember a few years ago, um, an AI Instagram influencer essentially launched and uh, amassed a huge following. What do you think about that? And like, does using artificial intelligence as as an influencer as the talent pose a risk to influencer marketing when you know we keep talking about the, the importance of trust and authenticity i think anytime there's new technology that there's a potential that someone's going to use it irresponsibly uh in the wrong ways um and so i would say yeah um i would be concerned uh if if that were the norm uh and you weren't sure who you were communicating with but i do think uh what i mentioned before that human connection is important because eventually there will be something that shows they are not a real person like it will come out like people are smart they're they're like you said consumers are the most intelligent they've, they've ever been I, I truly believe that we have more information at our fingertips than ever before in history so i think it's important to remember that being authentic is a lot more important to your consumer than whatever it is that you're trying to say with with AI, although I'm sure in some cases it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think there will never not be a role for a creator and, and there will never not be a role for a influencer who understands how to partner. And I would say the same thing for writers or marketers or otherwise, um, understanding your audience and knowing what being human is and knowing those those tricks and the, the psychology behind why people buy, um, that stuff isn't necessarily going to live within an artificial intelligence uh, setting. So I think we still have hope, hope for the rest of us too. <laughs> I think so. And again, that could be an entire episode, but thanks for sharing just a, a blip of a little bit of that space. Um, about a month ago, we were, our teams were at Shop Talk together. Are there any updates from Shop Talk or any uh, update to impact.com's platform you wanted to share? Well, like I said, we're launching this uh, impact.com creator platform and we're really excited about it. Um, I would say that impact is one of the few companies that I, I know of. And the reason I've been here for the amount of time that I have is because we keep innovating and start do doing really interesting things. So every time we're, we're talking with the product team, there's there's new releases, there's new rollouts. Uh, we, we use a lot of voice of customer research, so we understand what our customers are expecting from us. Um, but between the creator product, we have a mobile app. There's all sorts of really interesting things on the roadmap this year that I'm super excited to share. So maybe I can come back again and, and uh, share you, show you some updates we have from our platform. Absolutely. Would love that. You're, you're welcome to come down to our HQ in Austin anytime. Got it. <laughs> um, we'll go live together. What's your take on where the future of influencer marketing is going? Yeah, I think with the rise of micro and nano influencers, more and more everyday creators um, are really going to start inspiring sales, uh, ultimately landing brand deals. We expect to see that trend continue. Um, brands, again, are looking for ambassadors and people who understand their business uh, and their product and their audience. And creators are looking for partners that are, in fact, actual partners and will treat them like an extension of their team. Um, so blending of influencer and affiliate, we, we briefly talked on that. I think uh, payment and compensation, there's there's differences and nuances, but you know you can be a full funnel influencer or a full funnel affiliate. Um, E-commerce is becoming more important. That's growing. Um, so creator marketing will continue to grow as long as you know e-commerce does too. There's a shift towards video. Um, there's new platforms. There's social selling. There's resiliency in, in this economy, like being able to, you know, trust people and understand that you can go somewhere and get real information 
um, or even as a marketer, understanding that like you can work with creators in a way where you can actually prove a line to revenue. I mean, those are all things that I think uh, are going to become more and more important in this channel uh, and in this uh, creator economy. But long term partnerships are, are going to win out. Uh, and I think if, if you're not already investing in, in finding those long term partners, uh, you, you really should be and, and starting to establish what that channel looks like because uh, it's not going away. It's definitely going to continue. Growing. Okay, that's a great takeaway. If you're not doing this now, marketers, try to, to build long-term partnerships with content creators because, again, I mean, to me, that also feels more authentic when someone uses a product consistently versus for like a one-and-done promotion. Um, thank you so much, Christy. I have one last question for you. I couldn't let you go without asking. You know, we have a lot of marketers who, who watch this live stream and, and listen to the podcast. You know, as a CMO yourself, do you have any advice for folks out there who may want to work in the industry or are working on a, a CMO career path themselves and anything from your career path you might want to share? Yeah, um, and thanks so much for asking that. I, I really, that means a lot. Um, I had a lot of great leaders and mentors uh, on my path to CMO and I'm still learning from them. So uh, thanks for asking. I would say for any marketing leader out there right now, this is hard. This is a hard job. It's a hard time to be a marketer. It's the best time to be a marketer in a lot of ways because the tech is there and you have things like commerce content. You have all these really cool opportunities to get in front of creators in a really native and authentic way. But it is hard because there's changes in the economy. There's expectations, consumer behavior changes. You're constantly have to kind of staying on, on the top of it. One thing that helps um, and this made it helped me a lot sitting with your CFO. Uh, and trying to understand how to speak his language will not be a waste of your time. Um, and then the second thing is remember that the business, um, as, as a marketing leader, you need to consider that the business is more important than what you're working on, your particular team, and trying to align your goals with the business goals. Do something no one else can do. Uh, become the expert in something. Try something new. Um, I always tell my team, like, you have space to fail here. Like, you can try something new and have a soft landing. Um, I got that. Um, and, and I think that being able to have that, that being empowered in that way to say, OK, I can make a mistake and, and we can talk about it and, and learn from it. And there's there's not a repercussion from it. Like we can actually just get better and continue to optimize and um, and celebrate those mistakes because we tried new things like that's a huge part of being a marketer. And, and I just don't think that there's any marketer out there who could say, I, you know, I have it all figured out. This is exactly what you need to do. You're going to constantly be iterating and innovating. So be yourself and be be fun and try something new and, and really sit with the CFO. I can't say that enough. Try to understand how to speak that language and, and, and you'll go for it. That's all amazing advice. Um, and I know you're a busy CMO, so I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you so much for this conversation. I learned a lot. I think it's really fun and interesting to talk about influencers. So again, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, this meant a lot. Thank you so much for inviting me and, and hook them. Go Austin. And hook them. Yeah, we're both longhorns. Um, and everyone, thanks for watching. And, and thanks to your patience as we had a little bit of a, a tech delay. I do want to shout out, we have a blog post on the Big Commerce blog written by the impact.com team. Christy is quoted in there. That's a great resource if you want to learn more about more of the partnership side and affiliate that we talked about. There's a ton of resources information on impact.com as well. So definitely give them a follow, subscribe to their blog. There's great content coming out of there. So um, thanks everyone for joining. And again, thank you, Christy. Leah, thank you. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. Have a great day.